in the rising sun, the land of bamboo, Tengu, and Gundam like yo. Can't believe I finally made it. Matsu, we celebrated Golden Week. Hold it down with my show. Welcome to the Manga Sensei Podcast, where every single day I break down the world's best language. And this week, we're talking to my friend Connor. He is not necessarily what you consider the Japanese speaker, but he's a wonderful polyglot master of European language, also known as the language Tsar. I hope I'm pronouncing Tsar correctly. I, my Midwestern accent always. Very good, good Johnny. Very good, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> no problem with that. Awesome. Connor, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, everybody. Um, Johnny, first of all, thanks for inviting me on the podcast. I'm really excited to speak to what's probably, I'm guessing, a uh, largely a new audience. I'm not sure that many realists probably uh, are that familiar with me. Uh, as Johnny already said, I have a YouTube channel and I'm known as the Language Czar, uh, which is actually something I've rebranded and I don't use that as much as before, but basically I'm a polyglot and it just means, not a scary word, it just means someone who speaks lots of languages, especially someone who is enthusiastic about learning them. And I've been spending a lot of time in Eastern Europe. Now, when I say Eastern Europe, I don't mean Hungary, Prague. Prague is actually further west uh, than Vienna, so a lot of people are confused by that. What I mean is like Russia, uh, Ukraine, Belarus, uh, Romania, Moldova, uh, countries a lot further east than maybe a lot of your listeners are used to traveling to or associating with that. But that's basically where I'm based in. I make a lot of videos helping people to learn languages better and overcome maybe issues they have with confidence um, and their motivation as well as explaining, showing really that I think the benefits and the value in learning the languages for this region with Eastern Europe, because I saw a ranking recently that had this region, I think like about the same level as rural China in terms of oh, yeah. the level of English spoken here. And I, I think, think I it has changed, like I'm speaking to you from Odessa or Adyessa, uh, the shores of the Black Sea in the south of Ukraine, and it's very touristic. Uh, Definitely, if you come to a restaurant here, people will speak English. They probably have an English menu almost certainly these days. But once you go outside of that, uh, you're not going to be able to speak to most people over the age of 25 if you use English. You're really going to have to uh, speak Russian. I know it's Ukraine. I know the official language is Ukrainian. But uh, mm -hmm. the reality is in the city like Odessa, the majority of people uh, speak Russian in their daily life. Uh, same in a lot of other cities in Ukraine. Although that's also changing a bit. You see more Ukrainian coming in spoken in the country uh, so basically you have to learn Russian basically to come here and have a really authentic travel experience and that's what I try to show through the videos a lot of uh, guys also come here looking for love and uh, again they a lot of guys they ask me like um, you know how do I overcome this language barrier I'm like well you go and you learn the language or you hire an interpreter but that's quite expensive right to, uh, oh, yeah. to have with you all the time um, but I tell them yeah there's no way to overcome this uh, if you want to have the same experience that I have when I show on this sorry experience with Connor Klein. Um, that's what you got to do. You got to, I just encourage people to go learn the language. It's fun. And uh, you're just so much more rewarding afterwards. Uh, I couldn't imagine traveling here without it. I did actually the very first time Ooh. I came to Ukraine. I didn't speak very good Russian. I only had like very basic rudimentary level of the language. And it was pretty like, Disastrous uh, in terms of my ability to communicate. I got a lot of dodgy situations because it's like I, I had a video podcast episode um, 
not sure if I actually published it, but I definitely recorded it because I remember talking about this. Like, it's not just that you get to speak to people. It's also that, like, the people who might be out to, like, exploit you, right? Uh-huh. When you're traveling, like, if you can speak the local language, you, like, 95% of those people are just, like, go target someone else. I think you're really right, though. I was, uh, I remember my first time when I went to Japan, I had, like, a couple weeks of, like, language training under my belt, and I, I was positive when I when I landed in Nagoya Airport, they taught me the wrong language. I was like... Oh. <laughs> I was yeah, like, I know the feeling. I mean, that's basically... I, I would say I was also a little bit overconfident when I uh, arrived on that first trip on my own. Uh, also, just a little bit of something that's to be aware of, because I brought, I talked about Ukrainian being the official language. It is actually the main language spoken in the west of the country, and I actually gotcha. crossed into the west first. So my Russian was even less useful. <laughs> it was already <laughs> at a pretty low level, but then everybody was speaking to me in Ukrainian first. Uh, they do speak Russian as well. Most people will right. uh, switch for you, but it was an expert. Everything was also written in Ukrainian. Uh, so not only is it written in Cyrillic, it's actually written in a slightly different form of Cyrillic, and it's of course a different language. Right. Um, so I even made it like, this is to raise the difficulties so much higher. So I was completely disorientated. I was suffering, I think, for the first time for real culture shock, which is, which is a bit surprising because I lived in other countries and struggled with languages like France uh, when I went the first time or I lived in Italy. But uh, I found that just a lot easier than traveling through Ukraine in 2009 without uh, the language skills. It was definitely... Uh, a lot of new information to take in culturally and linguistically. So I definitely encourage anyone, if you're planning to have a real trip here, uh, if it's Russia, if it's Ukraine, if it's Moldova, Belarus, another country I've been to recently, Mm -hmm. I really encourage you to learn basic Russian. Like just get it up to that like high beginner level will just, you'll get such a boost, such a more enjoyable experience. Uh, So I really encourage you to to go and do that, all of you who are listening. No, it was. It's. I've heard wonderful, wonderful things about Ukraine. It's one of the places I want to visit, outside of Russia. My wife and I. But uh, funny thing is, my first Japanese teacher when I came back from Japan actually was from the Ukraine. She was a wow. So she was your Japanese teacher. She was my Japanese teacher. Yes, and she had wonderful Japanese. And uh, I met her in all places uh, in Nebraska, in the United States, and. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful lady. Valentina is fantastic, and uh, it just it just amazed me that I don't know. I, I've known maybe three people from U- the Ukraine, but they not only seem extremely kind, but uh, they'll they'll correct your they'll correct your language. Is that is that some, am I mistaken there when I they when I say they'll actually help you if you ask a question? Uh, people are definitely very friendly here. I think. Uh countries like Russia, you can get bad reps just because uh, they tend to be very impolite by our standards and mm-hmm. I guess even by you know Japanese standards, another level of impoliteness uh, because that sounds like a more formal uh, formality to it. And I think that gets confused if people actually being friendly or not. Uh, here people are really helpful in general to me. I mean, obviously like anywhere, if it's a big capital city or it's a big tourist city, it's going to be a little bit less in general than, you know, less... Uh, provincial areas, uh, but in general, people are really, really willing to help. And uh, with the terms of language correcting me, um, I definitely people. I, I think maybe maybe they could do a little bit better than that. The people who are here, I think there's a little bit. Uh, they're not used to people maybe learning the languages. Gotcha. <laughs> they're used to everyone speaking Russian here, right? Or right. they're just. 
they're just going to speak English with it. I don't think they're very used to people who are kind of learning it um, uh, here. So they could be maybe a little bit more helpful with that respect. But people are definitely kind and good natured and willing to help, I think, in general, um, not just with uh, the language. Um, so, yeah, definitely it's a country that's really interesting, obviously, politically over the last five years. A friend is actually here with me uh, for France, and he hasn't been here for five years, and he thinks it's changed an awful lot. It's a lot more modern and a lot more European-looking as opposed to Russian-looking. Interesting. Um, there's been a lot of changes uh, aesthetically, uh, for sure, as well as culture in the last five years. And, you know, I think the cat's out of the bag. I've been hanging out here a lot in the last four or five years. Cheapest part of Europe. Quality stuff is, like, amazing. People are friendly. <laughs> Girls are beautiful. I'm not going to lie about that one. I think everybody's aware of that. And uh, yeah, it's just like a place to have fun and work from. It's it's amazing, I have to say. And I think, unfortunately, that's going to change. I think now that so many people have heard about it, there's definitely a huge uptake in Western tourism this year. Uh -huh. I would say two to three times more oh, North wow. Americans and Western that Europeans, in, in other words, in the past. Traditionally, in the last few years, it just gets like Turkish, uh, Arabic, and maybe some Israeli tourists. But now it's definitely a lot more. Gotcha. Um, and I think uh, that's going to push up the prices pretty quickly in the city centers in the next two or three years. Um, so come while you can. That's what I tell my your listeners uh, before it ends up like, I don't know, being in Madrid or, you know, queuing for the Uffizi Museum in Florence. Definitely try to get here early before the hordes uh, arrive. Yeah, because that's usually what happens, right? Like, I remember, go, I mean, Kyoto and Tokyo are always, you know, giant tourist traps. Same for like, I mean... Been in like Singapore and like Taipei and Taiwan, and a couple other places in the very far far east. But I mean, as soon as like the words out, like I remember going to um, going through uh, Takayama, which is a smaller, more tourist area for the locals, the natives. And then if I, I felt like last time I went there, the cat was out of the bag, and like everyone, their dog was over there. I was like, who, who told you about this? Like. The internet, that's what changes everything. Information travels so quickly now, which is good and bad. Mm -hmm. it means that we it's can good and bad. It makes it... Everyone else can. So if it's a scarce resource like space or it changes in the experience, then yeah. And so you can't keep things secret. Yeah, it's it's almost hard to have... The, I mean, hard. I think you just have to make yourself go out of the way a little bit to get that authentic experience and actually be able to immerse yourself. But I think it's as... You're, I think you're right, as the internet becomes more pervasive, we can kind of see these little nooks and crannies that we couldn't even see five years ago. Yeah, and that's that's good. Uh, but then everyone else counts. So Instagram, yep. I think, is a game changer in that regard. People are like, I, even here, I, I know when new restaurants are open just because people I'm following are there. Right. Like, oh, that looks cool. I'll go. Uh, but everyone else can do that. <laughs> so... <laughs> And we'll it's make sure like to put that. your uh, Instagram down at the bottom so people can follow follow you too, so they can see the wonderful pictures and you know yeah. be jealous. People people often ask me where I'm eating. I love that restaurant you go to there. I love that cafe. Can you give me your address? So it's definitely in terms of exchanging information, extremely powerful as a platform, uh, and it's something I found pretty transformative as I travel uh, in the last two years. I use it an awful lot. So as you go in, when you, you, you come, into the, come into the place or you hear about new restaurants opening, is that how you kind of keep your ear to the ground as well? Do you just connect with on like local forums or how do you, how do you no, find these things? That's too slow. That's not instantaneous. I mean, I can see who I'm following um, or I can search by the city. 
and look through the stories what people are in real time posting and this is what's interesting right uh there is a few attempts to launch apps the last 10 years that would allow you to know like where is cool like what, what you know what's going on in town they all fail because they require people to upload directly and provide the information but people want to show where they are if it's cool and yeah to their friends uh, so they will do that on instagram um, without any problem at all so this is why it's it's turned out uh as a kind of like side benefit to being on it all the time is a great resource for that yeah no kidding that's wonderful. So if you're talking to somebody who is going to the Ukraine, for example, or Belarus for the first time, and uh, you had to recommend two things, one thing to do to prepare for the trip, and one thing to make sure they do while on the trip, what would you recommend? Uh, well, definitely prepare. It's got to be learn Russian. That's a no-brainer. Um, that's the most valuable thing you can do before you ride. How you go about that, I always recommend using iTalki. Find yourself a tutor and actually start like having it scheduled normally twice a week, one hour. That works really well to make progress early on. And, and uh, then when you're actually on the trip, you, I would say um, making sure that you avoid um, uh, using Instagram to find out where the cool places are. There you go. That's, that's there you go. pretty what I've already said, but that's basically how I find out what's going on in a new city and then uh, make make friends there. Um, and that's sometimes hard for people if they're traveling solo. Right. Um, I appreciate that, but I, I even talk about that in some of my videos, what you need to do to um, overcome these kind of things. Uh, and uh, how to you know, force yourself to speak to, open to new people. I think that's, uh, actually you touched on a really, really important point there when you said, Tate, when you're getting ready. Um, recently, I've been... I haven't had much opportunity to speak my one of my languages, uh, Korean, and um, I hired it. So I had the opportunity to hire a tutor. To, if you hire a tutor correctly, if you go, if you join a join a group or you find, or you use a connection to find a tutor, tutors are not as expensive as people think they are. Well, if you have one online that's uh, living in a low cost economy, then it's definitely very affordable. You oh, yeah. want to, if you're living in an expensive location, you want people to come and you know, spend time with you in person, then it's pricey. That's what I would say. So mm -hmm. I always um, uh, found my tutors online. I had the, the classes via Skype. Right. And for example, I was Portuguese in two years from, from zero by having a tutor from Sao Paulo uh, speak with me for two hours a week. You know, twice a week, we a one-hour class, and I was like really consistent. We only spoke Portuguese from day one, and two years later, I was able to do um, do interviews, uh, job interviews. Uh, I'm actually a lawyer by profession. Oh wow! Uh, in Portuguese, so I did uh, uh, competition on which is antitrust and kind of American English, and um, yeah, I went to interview in Sao Paulo. I didn't actually take any of the jobs in the end. I did moving to Munich in Germany, but uh, I did actually do the interviews. Completing Portuguese after two years, and that's how I basically went about approaching it. So, um, definitely before you go, set that up. Uh, a lot of people use Duolingo or some app. I think it's better than doing nothing, but you're not really going to be able to speak when you get there. Yeah. To be frank. Number of people have ever learned a language with Duolingo? Zero. Yeah. Uh, I find it amazing. Uh, it's very addictive because they have that down the gamification. It makes people think like they're doing something, but being busy is nothing necessarily productive. And I think just getting a tutor, spending your money. Duolingo is free, but like, if you want results, invest yeah. in yourself and uh, get a tutor. Someone to teach you 
And you do it, in, you can achieve it in two years rather than taking ten years, like I did with Portuguese. That's why I'm um, Especially if you've got a goal like I did, which was I want to maybe move to Brazil and maybe work as a lawyer. Right. Then definitely I had to. I was expecting, you know, to make that money back, whatever invest in the process in a month or two. Once I actually, I got the job. Um, right. And I'd actually learned German, so the only job I took did involve my language skills, anyways, mm -hmm. and I had invested. Similarly, learning German earlier on. So these things, yeah, invest in yourself, I guess. Invest in having some of the language down before you arrive, and then when you get there, um, make sure that you have a way to find where the good local places are. And that can be using Instagram stories, mm -hmm. uh, but definitely opening as many local people as possible. Uh, that was something I struggled with, so I can empathize with a lot of you listeners who maybe don't find that so easy, but uh, ultimately I just have to force myself and. Uh, yeah, set yourself a goal. Uh, you don't reward yourself until you open three people, three strangers. I think uh, you open a conversation with them. Maybe they all go wrong, but at least you've achieved something. You went and you did it, and then you realize the worst that happened is occasionally someone's rude to you, and actually in general most people are pretty friendly. And you find, you know, maybe you get a nice tip. And it's often to me the person that I start a conversation with is not really compatible with me. Yeah. Uh, we're obviously weren't going to have any sort of connection. But then they told me something. It's like, ah, oh, I should go there. So I got value from having opened that conversation, and uh, maybe there I met people who were more, you know, I had more of a, a jive with. I was able to bond with easier. So that's what I would recommend. Uh, I think you made it specific to Belarus. I yeah. know they, your question, but Belarus, um, yeah, it's like anywhere. Yeah, I don't think it's that. Just that's the Russian, and then yeah, uh, once you can speak some Russian, of course, and you're going to find it easier to talk with. Uh, it's because it's not a place where English is very well spoken. Yeah, I think when you one of the things that you mentioned is being one being able to invest in yourself and two your on Duolingo. I think is the main point that I want to talk about real quick is a lot of these apps, things like um, there's one for Japanese called Lingo Deer. There's um, of course Duolingo. Anything as far as like fluent you and whatnot, I think a lot of the whole re rewarding you with, you know, little badges and making you feel like you're progressing like the old school Rosetta Stone is really hurting language acquisition, honestly. It's That's an interesting perspective that I haven't seen before. Um, does it hurt it overall? Um, yeah, because it's giving people the full solution of progress, right? I mean, my, my metric is not whether I get a, a Rosetta uh, we used to have those, by the way, I used to be involved in uh, a lot with horses when I was younger. And uh -huh. we try to encourage kids when they're younger by giving everyone basically, you know, some sort of color so that they don't give up <laughs> in the very beginning. That's right. what I feel it's a little bit like, yeah, you got a little sticker. Now, can you order, you know, your coffee in forests and holidays? No. Well, then you haven't achieved anything because that's actually what you're trying to do, right? I mean, you're setting an objective to be at a certain standard within the language. Yeah. That means functionally that you're able to do a certain number of things. Yep. And if you cannot do that, it doesn't matter what score you have in Duolingo. That's that's a distraction. And that actually goes the same for uh, results in languages at school. Yes. Being the A student because you memorize all the grammar rules, or you find that kind of you kind of geek out that it's something you're interested in, and then when you go and hang out with some native speakers, like say in the US a lot of people personally Spanish. But if you go on your holiday in Mexico and you cannot really effectively communicate with people, it doesn't matter if you're in the East. 
Yeah. Because no. that makes you a good student and it not make you a good learner of the language. A hundred percent. I've known so many people who are supposedly quite a good either test takers or have, you know, went to university for a language. And not, not saying people at university can't learn a language or don't, but I've met so many people who've supposedly can speak Japanese because they majored it at a university and they have the Japanese language proficiency test level one or two and yet they can't string together a, a, con a you know, a complex concept or, you know, write down an articulated paragraph. And it's, it's really extremely common. It's extremely common, like more so than I thought when I first learned a language. I, mean, I remember I was in Nagoya in Japan and uh, they, I was chitty chatting with some gal at the grocery store. I, she was from she had an American flag on her purse or something, and I was chitty chatting because I was from America. And we started talking about where we were from. And she came up to the register, and she uh, I, she mentioned she studied Japanese at university, and she tried to talk to the gentleman at the register, and uh, maybe it was nerves or something. But I remember saying she was she scored so high on this important test that we have to take, and uh, she could barely articulate that she didn't want plastic, she wanted paper bags. Yeah, this is stuff that's in black. <laughs> My, I have a good friend, uh, Jan van der Raal, and he's got a, a language uh, probably that helps people with the first words in language. Uh -huh. The company's called Language Boost, he has a YouTube channel, and he gave a presentation a few years ago now, it was maybe four to five years ago in Berlin at the Polyglot Gathering, and I remember a slide, I think it was one of the most revealing slides, um, at such a gathering or conference because you know, there's kind of a consensus more or less about how people learn languages about us big language geeks, right? So polygons are normally pretty geeky like I am about languages, right? This is something we're kind of very passionate about we spend a lot of time at. Unlike oh, yeah. the general population who just wants to learn probably one or most two languages. Right. And on this slide he had like listed the character traits of a good student of languages versus a good learner of, of, of a language. And Ooh. then actually gave his own personal experience when he went to China and he sucked at school like I did, right? He actually, his high school advisor told him to take a job that did not involve him ever having to speak a foreign language. <laughs> uh, ironically, he's kind of like, um, yeah, now one of the most famous people online talking about learning languages, right? So, yes, you shouldn't listen to your high school teachers too much, even if they, yeah, have the, they have you maybe your best intentions at heart, but they don't maybe understand the best advices. So, he went to China to do an internship. He said the first six months, maybe about six, maybe they had three months of classes. He said he had he was the lowest, uh, he got the lowest score of anyone in the class. Uh, that was something he was used to from school. He then didn't focus on learning any of the grammar or anything like that. Uh, he actually just went out and spoke to Chinese people and spent his evenings uh, making friendships, connections with the Chinese, even though he just started, he didn't really speak the language. But he says that after six months, because uh, these these people only wanted the score also, that when they met up again, because I think they had an internship and then again, they all met, his Chinese was actually the best of everybody's. Um, because he wasn't doing it necessarily to get a high score. He was actually learning Chinese so he could effectively communicate and live in China. Yeah, uh, That's something that I just think people get their priorities wrong. They don't understand what the objective is. And, like uh, he has a list, you can probably find it inside, or maybe I'll send it to you. Yeah. Because uh, I'm I'm just struggling to think of all the points he had. But one of them, of course, is that a uh, good uh, learner doesn't focus on the result in the exam, is because that's not the objective. Also, the student is like, I want the A, I want the ten out of ten, and they will just do whatever the teacher uh, says they need to do in order to achieve that. Um, and they're not 
read, they're really just preparing for the class and the exam. They're not preparing for actually going out in the real world and learning the language and actually making real connections with people. They're yeah. you know, focused on what grammar do I need to memorize, what you know, vocabulary do I need to memorize and you know, regurgitate tomorrow the test for that uh, one day. Um, whilst some of these good learners thinking about what words will actually really need. Like, I was born in Ireland. That's a very important word for me, the word Ireland. For you, it's probably almost irrelevant. Yeah. Right? You're never going to use it. Um, but, like, for example, I always need the word toothpick because when I was younger, uh, some of my teeth were removed and uh, the others moved across. Um, I don't think the dentist should have done this, by the way. <laughs> anyway, so this is something I didn't have control over. I would but certainly am not a. It might. It, children who I you, I will not be advised to do this. But basically, I always get food stuck in my mouth, no matter where the hell I am in the world because of this. And I need to ask for toothpick every day. This is one of the most important words, right? You're never going to learn that for an exam. Yeah. It's too obscure, but it happens to be extremely important to me. Uh, and this kind of stuff is what you need to learn. Um, how to open a conversation, really open the question, conversation, not say, hi, my name is blah, blah. Of course, you can use that, but it's going to be like, you know, very short little things that people are going to want to use to say, like, um, and how people also speak naturally. Yeah. Um, most people don't use a lot of formality. It's very a lot looser language. And normally, when I was learning, it would take me a year to figure this out in each language. Um, so that's something that I think learners do better than students. They figure out really what's actually going to help them effectively communicate. And I think you get a lot more reward out of it because they really learn the language as opposed to just getting the name test and getting and then they're frustrated five years later in a holiday when they finally go and they can't speak. <laughs> they're the rare thing. Well, yeah, it's, that's it's what I would say. Go check that out if you can find that article. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's heartbreaking when people, you know, I study a language at university and put all this effort in into it, you know, to memorize these arbitrary vocabulary words and these grammar points and not being able to, you know, put them together and actually speak the language or write the language to somebody for a job interview or something. I always thought it was so silly. One of the classes I had to take at university was a conversation class in Japanese. And um, yeah. we had to memorize a poem. Because that's what I do. I need every day, right? Yeah, I've used none of those words. I have never used that poem again, and I forgot it immediately after I did it, and I would never read it again. It wasn't that great of a poem. Like, I've, I, I took You're it not passionate about that kind of poetry. Right? No, like, I love poetry. Like, my wife will tell you we have all these bookshelves at our home, and I have probably three, four shelves of straight-up poetry. Love old I love English poetry. I like Amer I like some American poetry. I even have a couple books of Japanese uh, Basho because I really like Basho because I think he's quite lovely to read. But that poem did nothing for me, and it wasn't what it was a conversation class. Why am I memorizing a silly poem? Yeah, I agree. It's, uh, that's bizarre. And conversation class where you memorize stuff. All, we had to uh, we had to memorize these rote conversations, and I was like, I'm never going to use this. This is this is this is asinine. I know how to answer the phone, what, but why why is it I can't you know I can't talk to them about my you know my 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 I have a friend my cousin actually he has a terrible terrible food allergy, but I can't tell him about his food allergy, and if something happens, I can't tell him what to do if the food allergy happens. But uh, I can t I can tell you that my. Uh, Boss is currently on furlough, and uh, that's extremely important for me because I work for myself. Yeah. 
well, one seems like, uh, it, you know, if you focus on, they've gotten you to focus on what was actually important to you, you can maybe save your, maybe save your brother had the flu of allergy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe save his life as opposed to knowing how to say your boss is like out of office or whatever. It's something that oh, yeah, you don't yeah. have a boss and that you need. Yeah, these kind of standard phrases, not very helpful and you really need to have everything bespoke. Uh, like personalized, and that's why I encourage a private tutor because then you're going to be able to set the agenda. You're going to talk about things you're interested in. Yeah. And when you're looking for a tutor, it's not necessarily the person who knows the techniques of the language the best. Actually, the person who motivates you to come back and be enthusiastic in the next class because you want to talk to them about things. I had a French teacher and I used to love talking to him all the time about different politics and things going on in the world. And yeah, that's why I was showing, you know, that's why I was showing up online to class. It's yeah, not because he was able to teach me the, you know, the conditional tense better than someone else. <laughs> that isn't really the, the point. Because no. I wanted to be speaking in French, and you just observe the language a lot easier that way. So yeah, that's what I advise people who are out there uh, and looking for maybe frustrated by the yeah by lack of focus. I actually put all this advice into a course. Um, oh, lovely! So if you go to my website and you there's like some free stuff there you can watch for free like three or four videos and some webinars. And, you know, even if they, your listeners never signed up for it, um, you get the free content and it will help them a lot. So yeah, it's on my website. I actually put a picture name for the actual course. So I go to my website, uh, language czar, which is called, uh, sorry, it's actually czar experience. I should not use the old name anymore. So it's www.czarexperience.com or you can go to directly the course at languageofyourlife.com, type that in. It'll bring you straight to the uh, the page with all the details. So um, definitely, your listeners should go and check out the free stuff at least. I mean, it's there for free. So yeah, uh, large part of they think they want to go deeper into it. Yeah, these are best in the course. As I said, like people have to learn to invest in themselves. Uh, I I've actually done the same pretty recently. You know, invested in courses online and it really paid off uh, amazingly for me. Uh, so. If, uh, I was actually the reason I bring this up is I was always hesitant about buying them, but maybe it won't work. Uh, but yeah, once I uh, invested in it, was very very happy with the return investment I got. So that's why uh, yeah. Or you look at my channel, there's a lot of free stuff there. Go to the YouTube channel, uh, and you'll find a lot of new time and encourage people in exactly this way. Or you see a maybe presentation that I've given at a conference if you search those online. A lot of great stuff. Or I look for my peers, like people like Steve Kaufman. The Yarn, as I've already mentioned, um, uh, Oli Richards from I Will Teach Your Language, uh, Luca Lampariello, a great guy, Richard Simpat. So there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff out there if you want to go look through. Yeah, no, we'll definitely put everything down the show notes, and I, I highly recommend people go and look at his videos. Your videos are absolutely wonderful, and I think it's, no matter what language you're learning, being able to grasp these principles are extremely important. Exactly. We're all on agreement on, on that point for sure. Um, I think you wanted to ask me stuff as we discussed before the podcast, like yeah. funny mistakes I've made because apparently this is something people are, you know, maybe a little bit self-conscious about. Um, yeah. Basically, learning language involves you to have to go back to accepting that you're you're capable of expressing yourself like a five-year-old and all the <laughs> hilarity that that brings because you're obviously not five. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've had to do it so many times, like, I just don't care. I don't feel very self-conscious about it. Like, I may sound, uh, have a weird accent and sound a little bit slow because I'm, I'm struggling, but that's just part of the learning process. And 
fact, if you're not making lots of mistakes, then probably not trying very hard in the beginning of the language. And some of them that were funny, I mean, I'll fly with Spanish speakers will probably maybe relate to this. Uh, I had some Mexican and Bolivian friends when I was at university, and uh, they would always speak Spanish around me because I said I wanted to learn. So they were like, okay, there are five guys in the bar, there's only you're dealing with it, speak Spanish, we're just going to speak Spanish until you figure out what we're talking about. Um, yeah. They used to always use this expression, kind uh, of uh, chupas, which is like, what are you drinking, right? So when they're asking me what, what they want a beer or whatever. So I invited this Spanish girl out on a date. And I thought, okay, I'm learning some Spanish stuff very good, but you know, I'll have it as a little bit of an icebreaker at the beginning. We were like near a cafe or a bar, and I said, okay, uh, Maria, que pasa chupar? And she looked at me like shocked. <laughs> and then she said, Connor, uh, in English, who taught you to say that? I was like, well, you know, I have these Mexican friends, and then this is what they say in the bar. And she's like, Connor, never say that to a Spanish girl again. So basically, <laughs> chuparra is actually the verb to suck. And, but the men is, metaphorically speaking, of course, to suck in a bottle. But uh, if that is not... Uh, your particular variety of Spanish that you didn't, you know, <laughs> you don't understand the context, then, yeah, you are, uh, obviously it implies that maybe I was requesting for her to suck in something else. Uh, right. So there you go. Uh, uh, she never saw me again. I'm not sure if that would be open or uh, kill the vibe, but uh, yeah, <laughs> there you go. It was, it was funny. So I, I obviously um, don't forget the difference in, in you know Latin America or Mexico and Spain with respect to a word ever again. Yeah. And uh, even a Colombian girl told me to use that expression. She didn't know when she arrived in Spain and she actually used it in front of people. People asked her what she liked to do. First she said something like, Me gusta chupar por la calle. And she probably meant like hanging out in the street and drinking with her friends in contact. Uh -huh. But of course it just sounded like she basically wanted to um, provide sexual services on the streets for this. Ah, <laughs> so, of course. You know, that's what I enjoy doing on the weekends too, you know. <laughs> so she got a lot of attention, I'm sure, but uh, that wasn't what she was looking for. So, yeah. <laughs> so even native speakers can have these difficulties, so don't worry about it. So that's one funny one. That I've ordered lots of stuff from restaurants. So I can't even remember how many times. And something else has come because I just, like, messed it up. But normally, I don't forget it. You know, I learned from that and, you know, I have to eat something I didn't want. That creates a mental, uh, a memory of what the word really means. Oh, yeah. If you get what you don't want in a restaurant. <laughs> so definitely don't be scared of mistakes. And make sure you make plenty of them and you'll learn from them. That's the biggest way. You know, it's making mistakes but learning from them, right? Oh, yeah. Um, this is great. Well, that's the purpose of having them. I, I remember, you know, Tim Ferriss talks about when he's learning Japanese, you know, talking about having someone wake him up versus, you know, the word for to wake up is okosu and the word for to be rape is okasu. So he asked his, uh, you know, homestay mother to violently rape him in the morning, which was always fun. And Wow, wow. Or, uh, I this one also I make, I'm just trying to think, you remind me, I make another funny mistake. Yeah, in French I had a problem with um, the verb habiter, which is spelled H-A-B-I-T-E-R, and the word, um, because, it, you know, if you don't if you don't pronounce that A, the H is actually silent, but if you don't get the A very well pronounced, it sounds like beat. Um, so which is the word for penis for dick. And um, yeah. yeah, I was saying uh je instead of ja and all that. So anyways, basically I was making something that didn't really exist but sounded hilarious. So <laughs> believe me, I've also uh, made my, my fair share of faux pas and um, 
yeah, they're funny. You have to learn to laugh at yourself. So what I mean, no one dies when you mess nope. these things up. So. No one does. And Just, even if you're talking to a cute girl and you say something like, you know, I want a child molester sandwich or whatever happens. <laughs> that is yeah. an actual thing my roommate did, by the way. But <laughs> that's uh, that's a little bit creepy, yeah. But uh, I guess uh, he managed to laugh, laugh it off. And then, uh, Chicken, he, chican, you know, you know they sound similar enough. But uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I'm not. Gonna, I don't want to waste the rest of your time. I know you have some wonderful food to get to and some. I don't want to waste all your time, but thank you so much for jumping on here, Connor. Again, Peel, the, the uh, website is not the language artist, the Zar, the Zar Experience, correct? It's exactly zarexperience.com, so T-S-A-R-E-X-P-I-E-R-E-N-C-E.com. So yeah, Zar Spitler, the British way. I just thought it looked prettier to be honest. <laughs> the American spelling of Zar. I normally actually write in American English, so it's kind of unusual I picked that. Uh, and of course, Zar is where that comes from, Russian, which means emperor, and also means an expert in English. That's kind of why I chose it in the beginning. And there you're going to see, uh, if you go to the website, you're going to obviously see some articles and, uh, you know, my free courses will be listed out there as well as the premium ones. Uh, but what actually, if you go to the YouTube channel, which is Zar Experience with Connor Klein, then you kind of get to see where I'm at, what I'm up to. Or if you go to my Instagram, the handle is Zar Experience, uh, you'll be able to follow me there. Just actually see what I'm doing every day in terms of learning languages and traveling and just getting the most out of having this. Yeah, as I said, Ukraine won't stay like this for long. Uh, that's, right. that's where I'm right now. So if you're more into, if you're into that kind of stuff, and especially in Russian, make sure that you go and subscribe, hit the notifications on YouTube because you're gonna really, really love the content that you're putting out in the next two months that I'm filming now in the desert. So it's my best stuff in terms of production quality. It's really like a whole new level. So I just can't wait to get it edited. And see the reaction online so. yeah and make sure to hit that little bell so you get the notifications because you can't just subscribe anymore you have to hit the little bell because you, you want to hear actually when he you know put stuff up yeah. here otherwise you won't you won't ever you know so much we have so many distractions say unless you have the notifications i miss half the videos from even the youtubers i follow i have to fucking start going back a few weeks later <laughs> here what have i missed what has peter mckinnon been up to or body or yeah you know, whoever happens to be so Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Connor. Remember, everybody, if you want to connect with him, all the show notes will be down below. You can connect with him connect with him at his website as well as his Instagram, which will be available. And remember, after 10,000 mistakes, you become fluent. So in order to do that, let's make mistakes. Bye-bye. Okay, this is better.